so when you get to the point where you can say, truly say that your process is a competitive advantage, it's because you have worked through a validate stage of your business. You've worked through a sales stage of your business where you understand what repeatable processes are in order to sell your service or your product to people. And now you're at the stage where you can really operationalize it and you have done the learning to understand what that process is. This week, someone asked me about the main thing my clients struggle with, the one thing I would fix for them if I could. I think my answer surprised them. I'll tell you what I said in just a minute, but first, I'm Susan Bowles and you're listening to Break the Ceiling, the show where we break down unconventional strategies you can use to save time, boost your profit, and increase your operational capacity. As I sat there thinking about how to respond to him, I mentally ran through all the clients I've worked with over the years. I was trying to pinpoint the one thing that tied them all together, the one magical thing they all struggled with. And from a tactical perspective, there just wasn't anything that was exactly the same. There was no one magical lever I could just tell him to pull to shore up the foundations of his business. The nature of my work with clients means that I end up in a lot of different parts of their businesses. It usually starts in the finances because... Well, finances are a direct reflection of the decisions you make in your business. Your financial data tells a story that you can trace back into the operations. So weaknesses and inefficiencies show up in the finances. But it's pretty hard to fix once it's already showing up in your books, because money is really a trailing indicator of what's actually happening. And that leads us into the operations and administration of the business, because that's where the problems are happening. The finances are a symptom, but the cause is usually somewhere else. Sometimes it's something that can be fixed with a technological solution. Sometimes you just need to find the right team member. Sometimes you need more explicit processes so that everyone actually knows what to do. And sometimes you just need to start collecting better data so you can figure out where the problem really is. All my clients are working towards the same goal, profitable, efficient, resilient businesses. But how you go about creating that is specific to each business, because each business is a reflection of its owner or its founder. Our businesses take on our characteristics. Our weaknesses become weaknesses in our business, and our strengths are its strengths. Our personal priorities, our personal values become ingrained in our businesses for better or for worse. If you're great with people and you love being creative, but you're scared of your finances, it's pretty unlikely that you're intentionally going to be very profitable without some outside influence. You might have sky high sales because you can totally rock that part, but maybe your costs are too high because you're not paying attention to them and you actually end up losing money. Or if you're a great systems person, you get stuck in designing that perfect automated system for a project that you never figured out how to sell and no one actually wants. Or maybe you've never really been in charge of a team and all of a sudden you have employees and they're just not meeting your expectations. But it's not really on them because you haven't actually told them what to expect. So sometimes shoring up the weaknesses in our business means getting real with ourselves as founders and business owners. We need to identify our own limitations and recognize where we get in our own way. Because boy, do we. And as I sat there thinking about the question that he had asked me, the one thing I see my clients struggle with, I realized that was the answer. Founders get in their own way. 
Most of the problems I fix in business with systems or technology or new team members usually directly stem from the owner. Their weaknesses have become the business's weaknesses. And by identifying those weaknesses, we can put systems in place to specifically counteract their unique issues. If you always get in your own way by getting distracted by the next shiny object, you can hire a COO to act as your filter and keep you from driving the train off the tracks. If you get in your own way because you never follow your own checklists, you can use technology to automate it so you don't have to do it at all. If you get in your own way because you have hangups about money and you're scared of your finances, we can create dashboards that filter the data and deliver it in an easy to understand way and then deliver them to your email inbox every week so you can't hide anymore. There are actual tactical strategies you can use to avoid getting in your own way. So that's what we're gonna tackle in the next series of episodes. I'm gonna talk to both coaches and business owners about some of the most common ways founders sabotage themselves and practical strategies and systems that can help counteract those weaknesses and get us out of our own damn way. Today, I'm talking to Michelle Warner. Now, she's become a bit of a regular on the show now, and she designs tiny companies that are built to last. And she's also the creator of Networking That Pays, which is a five-minute-a-day, never-awkward networking system. She is a pro at helping business owners get out of their own way, and she's who I go to when I'm getting in my own way. Today, we are talking about process, how having a process can be a competitive advantage, and how having a clear process and systems in your business can help make you more efficient and keep you from sabotaging the whole damn thing. Hey, Michelle, thanks so much for coming back to the show today. Oh my gosh, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. So let's talk a little bit about process being a competitive advantage and how you see that kind of playing out. Sure. So I see it playing out in a couple of different ways. And they may be ways that you don't necessarily expect. Because I look at process as a competitive advantage is something that is, frankly, incredibly hard to accomplish. And that's why it's such a competitive advantage. Because if you do it correctly, it means that you have spent the time to build a process that gets consistent results. And so as you've been testing and as you've been building your business, you have been hyper-focused not only on getting your people results, but understanding what piece of the process gets those people results and what pieces does not. And so when you get to the point where you can say, truly say that your process is a competitive advantage, it's because you have worked through a validate stage of your business. You've worked through a sales stage of your business where you understand what repeatable processes are in order to sell your service or your product to people. And now you're at the stage where you can really operationalize it and you have done the learning to understand what that process is. Okay. Take me, talk me through a little bit here where that sales process, the, the evolution you kind of go through to get to the point where you're process can be a competitive advantage. Sure. And maybe I'll talk about it in the reverse, because I've had clients who have done it in the reverse, where they are such process-oriented people that they build a process from day one. And when you do that, so if you're only looking at process as a competitive advantage through this tunnel vision of I need a process, what ends up happening is they build a process out of something that doesn't necessarily work or something that doesn't necessarily create predictable, repeatable outcomes. And so when I say that you're building it over the stage of validating your product and validating it over the process of 
creating a repeatable sales process, I mean that then you're actually building a process from day one. I want you to build it from day one, but I want you to understand that the process has to live within also the learning environment of how can you get people to buy your thing and how can you get them consistent results so that when those things are happening consistently, now you've also had a process um, or your framework, if you will, that you've built up over that same period of time. So it's something that you can really sink your teeth into and then really operationalize that because you have seen it create better and better outcomes for your people as you've built the business. Does that make sense? It does. Talk to me a little bit about what you're specifically talking about when you say having a process, because I think that can mean a lot of different things to different people. And I'm guessing it means something different to you than it does to me. So talk to me a little bit about that process, that framework that you're kind of pointing to here. Yeah. So when I think of process as a competitive advantage, I think of a repeatable system that you can put your clients through in order to get them results. So that's a great point. I am not talking about having a process um, where you can efficiently create things in the background of your business. I think that's fantastic and wonderful and build that from day one. When I'm looking at it from a strategist, business designer point of view, I'm thinking, how can we get your core product to work as efficiently as possible? And so that's where I'm thinking of what is the process you put your clients through, not necessarily what's the process you do to get your books done efficiently? Or what's the process you do to get your social media working effectively? But what is the process you put your clients and customers through in order to create predictable results for them? Mm, okay. Yeah, because I definitely think about process being a competitive advantage from the other end of the spectrum. Ooh, interesting. In that like, if you have a solid operational process, that can also be a really powerful competitive advantage and a great sales tool. I think because when you know exactly how you're going to deliver something and how long it's going to take and what tools you're using in the back end and what that looks like, it gives you uh, kind of the resources and the the wherewithal to like tell your clients, your prospective clients, exactly how things are going to get delivered. And I think in particularly in certain industries, like I've talked about this on, um, I think on other episodes with creative industries. Like I specifically worked with a branding designer that had a very clearly explicit delivery process. Um, They said, you know, here's the timeline, here's where the deliverables happen, here's where we're going to contact you. And to me, in an industry where deadlines can sometimes be um, ignored, is maybe an understatement. Yep. <laughs> um, where, you know, it's always like, oh, yeah, 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 just going to be a few more days or yeah, 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 just going to be a few more days. To me, having a clear process around deliveries and deliverables and timelines was a competitive advantage and was the thing that made me choose them over another design firm. So I think both ways that we're talking about it can be competitive advantages. And I think it's interesting that it can be from both both sides of the coin, really. Yeah, because and this is this is interesting to me because what you describe is what I'm describing as well. Um, and here's why I make it a point to talk about how this has to evolve for a while. Because I have also run into clients who have gotten completely stuck in their business because they're so process-minded that they have a process from day one and then they never think about iterating it. 
And then mm. they wonder why they get stuck because they're like, well, but I have an operations manual. I'm like, okay, great. But the operations manual you had on day one is no longer valid because you've actually learned a lot of things, but you haven't realized you've learned those things to help your product evolve and to get better at selling it because mm. you're so stuck in following the process manual you had from day one. So I agree with you. I think that experience you had, absolutely, that is indicative of process's competitive advantage. But you have to recognize that businesses grow in stages. And if you are a process-oriented person, and if you're going to build that process from day one, you need to recognize that you're going through what I call a validate stage and then a sales stage and iterate on that process as you do. And then once you are really understand exactly why each of the pieces of your process matter, that's when you can really sink down and say, okay, mm. this is my process. It's quote unquote final. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm definitely one of those people that like, to me, it's never really final. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you would be surprised. <laughs> Some people, they've given me their operations manual and have said, this has not changed since month one in our business. I'm like, that is why you are stuck. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have been in those kind of organizations as well, where they're like, we set this thing 30 years ago and this is how we do business. Yep. And then you're like, but, but why? Like yep. stuff has changed a lot. Um, and I think there are both sides of the coin where there's the we have a process, but we never evolve. And the we have a process that's always evolving. And sometimes we have to step back and make sure that we're not focused on that too much. Yes, I think it's it, a nice balance. It is a nice balance. And that latter group is really important, too. I get much more of them um, who haven't taken the time to figure out what their process is. So they're in the camp that's like, well, I'm always evolving. Everything's custom for each client. I don't have a framework. I don't have a process because it's creative. And that group too needs to be reeled back and said, yeah, you do actually have a process. We need to start documenting it because what you're doing now is wildly inefficient and also doesn't create consistent outcomes. So there's the two extremes and I work with a lot on both sides of the two extremes <laughs> and I want to bring them in the middle so that they can evolve their processes until the point where it's rock solid. Because if you are a person who recognizes that things evolve, but you're also a person who recognizes that predictable is a great benefit, like your brand designer, that's the person who has processes competitive advantage. Yes. It's not on either side of the extreme. Yes, I love that. So you mentioned working with clients on both extremes here. How have you seen kind of talk me through the process of kind of establishing what this framework is? What does that look like for somebody that um, maybe hasn't gone through that process before. The first comment is always, I absolutely do not have a process. There is no way I can teach this to anyone. And there's no way I can do this without starting over from scratch. And I say, okay. <laughs> and then I start asking them a bunch of questions. And by the end of the call, they say, oh, maybe I do have a process. And then we send them off with some homework and they come back and they say, oh, now I understand. And what I encourage them to do is start having client conversations and right afterwards, write down what worked, what didn't work. And through that, they start to see patterns and they start to see a process. And this is for a lot of creatives who are very hesitant and resistant to process. They don't want to feel squared in. But when they don't have anything, it's also wildly inefficient because they're not able to tell their clients things that your brand designer told you. Mm -hmm. They're not able to describe how something is done. And when you're not able to describe those things, not only is it harder to sign clients, um, but frankly, it's harder to have confidence in your product. It's harder to know what's going to happen. And you waste a lot of time delivering. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So what about on the other end of the spectrum when people are evolving too much? What kinds of tools do you use to help them kind of focus and filter and stop evolving? Yeah, well, that's when we have a conversation about what is your core product. I like to say you can have all the things, you just can't maybe build all of them at once. So we kind of put the brakes on, determine what is the core product, and then start getting out of them, going through this process I described of getting out of them. What is the process that you are following? What is your framework? You know, a lot of creatives, and I will raise my hand and put myself into this camp as well, really shudder at that idea that they have a quote unquote framework. Um, because I think, especially in the online industry, that word is starting to be one of those words that we all cringe at because we're all taught to have a framework and mm-hmm. repeat it. And it sounds very templated business. And I hate templated businesses. A lot of people really struggle with that. So there's this huge resistance to the idea that you have a framework. And I think that that's because the word has just been so poorly defined and needs to be recaptured for what it actually is, which is that you do know what your brain is doing. You do know how you're getting results for people. We just need to take a step back and let you discover that without all of the baggage around it. Mm -hmm. So in your work with clients, how have you seen kind of establishing these processes, solidifying them? How has it helped the folks you work with kind of overcome some of their own shortcomings and turn their process into a competitive advantage? So this is my favorite part. Because what I have found, and I don't know if this will be an expected answer or not, it will be interesting to see your reaction. (laughs) But what I have found is that it makes them so much more confident and so much more willing and excited to sell their thing. And I have a little theory around this. Um, You know, my first business was under a brand name. It was a tech startup. It had nothing to do with me. I had the easiest time selling that thing. When I started this business and all of a sudden it was under my name, Cue all the freakouts, right? Cue that entrepreneurial thing that this process is the biggest professional development journey of your life. And while I'm grateful for that journey, it was very painful. And what I actually see is that when we can extract a process and somebody can understand that, wait, I do have a series of steps that I follow. It's not just all on me and my brain to start from scratch every time and come up with a brilliant solution every single time. Then it almost productizes in their mind what they do. And even though it's still under their name, there is this disassociation with their personal worth and the ability to deliver this product over and over again. And so I just see this very, this flip in confidence, which is crazy to me because I'm not a mindset coach. I'm not a therapist, right? Um, but that is the biggest piece that I see. And that's almost how I now look at process as competitive advantage is I get you out of your own way when you can truly own this process that you have, but have been in denial that you have. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one, because I had the same journey, journey, you know, I had physical businesses before like a guest ranch, when you like, hey, here's a guest ranch, I sell, I sell you rooms, you stay here, we sell activities, like, same with a running store, like, you know, what you're getting when you walk into there. And I had the same, like, just freak out when I started an online business that all of a sudden was me, basically. Um, And you're right, the process of creating productized services not only allowed me to disconnect from the emotional, like I had a really hard time selling because I was so emotionally connected to it. And when I was able to turn it into, here's a product 
like a productized service that I sell and it's either right for you or it's not being able to emotionally like take myself out of the equation was really powerful. And I think you're right. There's a huge confidence boost that comes with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So are there any specific examples of folks that you've worked with that you could tell us about where you've kind of seen this process evolve and talk through, you know, what, what kind of what processes did you put in place for them to kind of get them out of their own head and out of their own way? You know, one comes to mind right away. It is a partnership that works with college essays. So they help students write their college application essays. And one of the partners is a teacher. And so they had this beautiful process. They knew exactly what steps would go into creating these essays. Um, and so they were the classic, like they have a process and that process did not change. Actually, for good reason with them, because it did work. But what got lost in that was they are the absolute top of their industry. You talk to any you know college admissions director, and they want students working with these, these people. But they were coming across as very um, generic solution, because all they did was actually describe their process. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we have a 10-step system, blah, blah, blah. Um, when we actually dove in and understood why they had created that process, right? Because they're teachers, so they create a process, but they didn't understand why they created the process. And when we dove in and actually understood what that process was and gave them a new way to talk about the process, everything changed very dramatically. So that was one interesting one. It doesn't quite fit the example of being on the extreme of having a process for the sake of a process. They had a process for a good reason, but they were so caught up in the process that actually all they could do was describe the steps and they couldn't describe why um, the process existed. And so that was fun because we did sink in then into how process is competitive advantage because a lot of the selling of college essays goes into, oh, we are going to bring out the most beautiful story of your kids ever had. And there's all this pressure on these kids to have some sort of massive monumental life event that they can talk about. And these partners say, no, you can talk about the most mundane thing in your life. If it's important to you, we will bring you through the process and it will actually create your voice and you will actually tell the story of why it mattered to you. Because as you can imagine, in the college essay world, it's just all these people dramaing up Mm -hmm. any kind of story they can have, whether they care about it or not, right? Whereas this particular process, you can take literally a mundane thing that happened to you on a Thursday afternoon, but happened to be a really big deal for you. And they can draw out this beautiful essay that gets noticed because it's not over-dramatized. So that was a really interesting example. Um, And on the other side, you know, I'll just raise my own hand because I'm also very typical of a lot of my clients in that I rail against templating businesses. I rail against doing, you know, using all free products. Um, And so I would pride myself on the fact that I would design you a custom business every single time, right? That was wildly inefficient. And so when I figured out what are the steps that I apply in order to get you to a custom business, Everything I've described, you know, it took so much burden off of my brain, this pressure to come up with a brilliant solution that would have someone dancing on the roof every time I presented it really left because I said, no, like these are the steps we go through and they will extract what you need. And then you will still have a custom business, but we discover your custom business through this process. The same way your brand isn't going to look like anyone else's brand, right? It's going to be a custom brand, but they get you there through a step-by-step process. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about like, how did you get out of your own way to be able to see that you do have 
frameworks and you do have steps that you go through, you know, what was the process that you went through personally to to get yourself there? Yeah, great question. Um, and I laugh because I feel like this is the most annoying advice ever, but it works. I would literally at the end of every single day, and I still do this today, I would say, what worked today? What are three things that worked today? Why did they, what might that mean? What are three things that didn't work? And what might that mean? And when I was documenting those things every single day, a process appeared and I Mm -hmm. saw the patterns right away. And I said, oh, that's why that worked. That's how I had that idea because I actually applied this thinking to it or the, and over the course of a few months, it really appeared to me what that process was. Yeah, I second that. I I started doing that when you suggested it. And again, I also started seeing patterns and noticing, you know, where where am I getting in my own way and what does that look like and what what might help me get out of that? Yep. Um, yep. So, yeah, doing those questions on a daily and then I do them on a um on a weekly and a monthly basis as well has definitely helped me see patterns in my own businesses that allow me to kind of jump off the self-sabotage train, maybe. (laughs) Yes, yes, I love that. And I think when you're specifically looking to find what your process is, it's wonderful to ask those questions in an even more direct way right after you've come out of maybe a focus session working on your client's stuff, right? You have a two-hour block of time, you're working on your client work, you end that session, you immediately answer those questions about that specific work. Or right when you get off a phone with a client, you answer those questions. So it becomes not about your day, but it becomes about the exact client work and starting to see the patterns of how you are creating the answers that you're creating. Mm. Yeah. Can you talk to me a little bit about um, your delivery process behind the scenes? Have you cre- Have you turned any of that process into resources, either that you give to your clients or that you just use internally to help you kind of deliver that framework? Does that make sense? Yeah, it it does. And it's probably not as perfect as a lot of other people because I still have a little rebel in me. But (laughs) a couple of things that I have is I certainly have a client resource library that I keep. It's very well documented and cataloged. And when a client needs something, I'm able to pluck a resource out of the library and just throw it um, into their folders. So instead of having to recreate um, an email template or who knows what I'm creating, right? Instead of having to recreate that, I'm able to pluck that out. And then I also have systems, you know, after every call, here was the goal of the call, here were the outcomes of the call, here's the homework for the call. And so there's little things like that um, that happen for every single client and help us keep it operationalized. Mm. Yeah, I have I have similar systems behind a lot of my process as well, where I've got like, you know, a worksheet to help me make sure that I'm answering the right questions, that we're covering all the good topics, um, to categorize all the information that I'm getting into a cohesive place so that I've got, I I have somewhere to go to see in a short summary, like what we talked about on the call. Um, If I have a question, I have a good place to go. It's all organized. Um, And I think that is a, a part that often we don't talk about as much, Um, like the resources that we're creating behind the scenes to help us deliver really powerful services, because most of the people that I've talked to that have great results have those resources set up behind the scenes to help them deliver those results. We don't really talk about that as much as like, oh, here's the sales framework or here's um, here's the system that I use. We don't talk about the 
that stuff that we've created that helps us actually deliver the services. That's actually a great point because again, when you're just starting out, you're creating all that stuff from scratch. And so you're doing your best, but you're not as able to create impactful results because you're spending all your time creating the templates Mm -hmm. and you're spending all of your time figuring out how to deliver it. So absolutely, as those different libraries um, and whatever they may be, the processes are built up, that helps a ton. You know, for example, there is a set of questions now that I ask myself before anybody starts and just to help me categorize where they're at. And that's an internal document. I don't necessarily share it with the clients. It wouldn't mean anything to them, but it helps me just do a gut check on what I think the issue is. And then that directs into the first call and we either determine that that is the issue or figure out it's something else. But just even having that little bit of direction where you're able to think through, okay, I think this person is in this category. And so therefore, this is the path we're going to start down. That is even wildly more efficient. Yeah, that actually, that reminds me, I like two years ago, I did some like, I think it was messaging work really where it came out of. But one of the tools that came out of that was like, I call it my red flag checklist. And it is Mm -hmm. a checklist of things that... Um, based on both my own experience or other people's experiences that are basically questions that I ask to decide if a client is actually a good fit to work with me. Um, And you're right, it's an internal document. Nobody else sees it. Nobody else really would be interested to see it. But it does a really good job of helping me figure out if this is a client that I can genuinely help, that they're ready you know, they're, they're at the point where in their own development, they're ready to work with me, uh, their business is ready to work with me. And you're right, I think there are a lot of those little tools that we use as business owners that never really get talked about. Nobody, nobody says like, hey, I have a list of questions that I ask people or um, a list of questions I ask myself before I start working with a client. But you're right, it makes it so much more efficient. And for me, it's, it means I'm spending my time with the right clients instead of struggling through working with somebody who's just not ready. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I actually just built one of those last week for a client. Um, and as we were building the different questions, she was like, oh, we can't ask the client this. You know, we, we need to come up with a different way to say this. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, you're not saying any of this out loud to the client. But as you, you're going to be thinking through these things while you're on a discovery call, while you're having a chat with the client. Yeah. And it also did help me kind of get out of my own way because there's always, I think, in the back of your head, that instinct to say, well, that's a job I could do. This is a client mm-hmm. that I could serve um, because so, mo- so many of us as business owners, can we solve problems. Like we can solve a lot of people's problems. But oftentimes, at least for me, and I, I, you may have a different experience, when I took on those clients that I was like, I could help them, even though it's not really what I'm interested in doing. I always ended up getting not quite so good results um, and not enjoying it as much. And so for me, it was always, it's a way to kind of short circuit my own emotional like need to help everybody, even if it's not the perfect, like even if it's not the perfect fit. Yes, I think everybody is nodding their heads with you right now. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, so where can our listeners find you if they want to connect and learn more about what you do or hire you to do this for them? (laughs) Yeah, come find me. I'm at themichellewarner.com. Or you can always come chat with me on Instagram. I am at michelle.warner over there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Michelle. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. 
Having clear processes can be the difference between an exceptionally profitable, successful business and one that just feels like it's dragging you down. If you get in your own way by procrastinating your work, chances are it's because you don't know what to work on next. Having a clear process fixes that. You always know what the next step is. If you get in your own way by going in a billion different directions and chasing shiny things, having a clear process lets you create something, use it, and then move on to creating the next thing. If you get in your own way by thinking you're a creative person and systems will only hold you back, you'd be surprised at how liberating actually having a process can be. Having a clear process serves so many purposes in your business. It enables you to be more efficient behind the scenes. It helps you be more profitable because the more efficient you get, the less time it takes you to deliver great work. And it allows you to take on more clients because it doesn't take as long to deliver the work. Having a clear process allows you to serve your client better and to deliver more value. Having a process means you can clearly explain how you work to prospects. When you come into a sales conversation armed with a straightforward explanation of how you work, how long it takes, and what deliverables they'll get at the end, it demonstrates your expertise, it increases your confidence, and it helps you emotionally separate from the sale too. Clear processes are the superpower behind so many of the best businesses. And putting processes in place is one surefire way to shore up just about every weakness you might find in your business. It really is a competitive advantage. Next week, I'm talking to Tanya Dalton. She's a productivity expert and coach and the author of The Joy of Missing Out. We're going to talk all about how you balance all your different priorities and stay focused on what's really important. So hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player so you don't miss out. And if you're thinking about how to make your business model resilient, efficient, and financially stable right now, you're not alone. Up until a few weeks ago, the conversations I had about examining your money and smoothing out your operating systems were all about growth. My clients looked at how they could set themselves up for success as they onboarded more clients and watched their bank accounts grow. But now I'm having a lot more conversations about stability. Business owners like you are asking how to weather uncertainty while setting the stage for sustainable growth over time. And the good news is the work is the same. That work that you've been doing to prepare your business for growth is the same work you need to do to shore up your foundations when things are tight. I'd love to help you run a leaner, more efficient, more resilient business that allows you to save money while maintaining profitability. In just one week, I'll create your custom action plan for navigating uncertainty beyond that financial padding you keep in the bank. I'll share my recommendations for your finances, your team, your clients, operations, software, and more. Want to find out more? Go to scalespark.co slash action plan or shoot me an email at susan at scalespark.co to schedule a free call today. Break the Ceiling is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode was edited by Marty Seafeld with production assistance by Kristen Brunford.